There are all types of fans in this world. And immediately right off the bat, it was bam, 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 bam. And it's, oh, it was just so exciting. It took me for this moment for so long. <laughs> it's time to go! And when it comes to fandom, there's a hierarchy of sorts. There's the casual fan, sporting jerseys and hats. After that comes the super fan, making regular pilgrimages to the fields, arenas, stadiums, what have you. And then there are those who border on something closer to a fanatic, almost a religious zealot, but in the best way. I'm so glad I rescued this from the trash because it's a one of a kind. You might recognize this voice. My name is Bob Bowden. I'm a longtime game show aficionado, fan, turned writer, producer, and executive. I think it's safe to say that aficionado doesn't go far enough. Bob is a proper game show obsessive who has a garage chock full of game show memorabilia. It is a collector's heaven and probably Marie Kondo's nightmare. And here he is, standing in that very garage one January afternoon earlier this year. If you want audio, this is the place to get it. Bob directed me and my producer to a rectangular box with 11 different big red buttons. He pressed the first one. So, uh, number one, this is the face-off sound on Family Feud. Yep, every single button plays a different game show sound. Pyramid had a really unique sound to indicate an illegal clue. And to my knowledge, no other show has used this sound. And that is the cuckoo. So I gave an illegal clue. Bob is pushing the buttons with glee. The familiar sounds of shows he watched throughout his life ringing out. Number five is The Price is Right. Number six, this is the longest sound. This is the big victory sound from The Price is Right. He keeps going until he finally lands on one of my and America's favorite sounds. Uh, Number nine. Ah, yes. The sweet sound of Jeopardy's daily doubles. The thing that viewers have come to associate with high-stakes wagering, trivia prowess, and, of course, the show itself. It resonates as the show that people would watch over dinner or after dinner, leading right into primetime. Yep. For millions of fans, the show is an at-home sport, played with family, all while soaking in the glow of the big blue game board on the small screen. We actually had a TV in the kitchen, a little table TV. We used to have a TV in our dining room, and we'd normally eat at 7 p.m., which is when Jeopardy airs here. So I would instantaneously turn the TV on to that channel. Jeopardy was always on, like really for as long as I can remember. I'm your host, Buzzy Cohen, and from Sony Music Entertainment and Sony Pictures TV, this is Jeopardy, the story of America's favorite quiz show. This week, we're experiencing Jeopardy on a whole new level with and among its fans. Jeopardy fans are everywhere. 
So it probably won't surprise you to learn that a few of them are actually working on this podcast. But for this act, I'm handing the mic over to one of the outliers on the production team, our very own non-fan, Julia Doyle. It's not that I'm not a fan, exactly. I grew up without a television, which in the early 2000s was enough to send my middle school self into a panic. I didn't see Kelly Clarkson steal the stage on American Idol. I only caught snippets of SpongeBob or Sweet Life when I was at a friend's house. Cheetah Girls, Slime, Survivor, I've had to catch up on it all. Maybe I shouldn't admit this, but before working on this podcast, I'd never seen a full episode of Jeopardy. Don't worry, I've seen plenty of them by now. It just always feels a little bit like work. Because it kind of is. But that doesn't mean I don't want to try and understand the allure of Jeopardy. So when this episode all about fans ticked closer to production, I thought this was an opportunity to understand why people regularly dedicate a half hour of their day to watching a quiz show. And I knew just the person who could help me here. Sylvie Lubau, colleague, friend, and Jeopardy fan. You've probably heard her name before in the credits of this show or from the episode about the Jeopardy buzzer. This is how and why one drizzling May evening, nearing 6.30, I ended up taking the R train south into Brooklyn. Okay, welcome to cue the obligatory bleep for Oh, oh bleep, bleep. Welcome to my parents' home in a neighborhood called Sunset Park without numbers attached to the home. We're going in. Sylvie and I are standing in the ground floor entrance of her parents' place, a beautiful old brownstone in Sunset Park, Brooklyn. This is the first time I'm meeting her parents. My mom's on a Zoom right now. Sorry. That's okay. You're gonna, Hi. You're going to be off soon. Sylvie's mom, Bobby, is sitting at the dining table with her computer. She waves at us as we head up the stairs. Look at all these gadgets. Oh, I love it. Tennis rackets, old golf clubs, a pinball machine that my dad wanted to turn into a coffee table. Hmm. I bet Sylvie's dad would get along well with Bob Bowden. We go down a hallway. There's a few loose doors propped up against the walls into a room with three big bay windows. There's a large mantle and various framed pieces of art. Sylvie's dad, Fred, is sitting on one of the couches. We've filled it with, with a lot of things. It's, Lots of books. I find things. And I giant keys bring them home. The room is dotted with curios, doodads, papers, art books, sort of like my family home. But of course, the big difference is a large television. Nice. Fred is a wallpaper hanger, and he's got what looks like a small paint scraper on a chain around his neck. He and Bobby have been in this house for about 40 years. We start talking about the decor, including a portrait of a severe-looking woman sitting in profile. Sylvie admits the painting scared her when she was little. It scares me a little bit now. I just thought the painting was really well done. And I thought maybe I was, it was a find. I thought maybe mm. I'd, I found a find. Everything is maybe a find. Everything is Not maybe. everything, but... A lot of things. Yeah, a lot of stuff. A lot of things are maybe finds. Sylvie and her dad have a similar sense of humor. They gently rib each other, interspersing sharp remarks with smiles. They also share a love of trivia, and the two of them have clocked a lot of time together watching Jeopardy. I feel like we went through a phase where it was like 
pretty daily. Fred started watching Jeopardy when he was in high school, back when Art Fleming was still the host. He's remained a pretty consistent viewer, and when Sylvie was a little kid, she started to watch with him. Then, they started playing along together. I would have a sheet of paper, he would have a sheet of paper, pen, pencil, whatever. You would keep track of your own score. We don't, we don't buzz. No, it's just no like buzzing. whoever answers first. And final Jeopardy, you have to write it down. You're not allowed to say until it's time to say. Sylvie also remembers playing along with a Jeopardy computer game. We had like a CD-ROM or a disc. And Alex would always say he had some funny line about being a maven. And this was a vocabulary word that I always knew after that. <laughs> <laughs> she taught you Yiddish. A maven? <laughs> That's Yiddish? Absolutely. Are you amazed? I'm amazed. <laughs> Oy vey, I'm amazed. Sylvie and her dad aren't the only Jeopardy fans in the family. My mom's aunt, so my great aunt B, she was a Jeopardy fan. Oh yeah, you were not allowed to call her on the phone from 7 to 7.30. Couldn't call. Or she wouldn't answer the phone, you know. No, she would scold you. Yeah. Jeopardy song. <laughs> Don't you know? Yeah. And a bunch of my mom's cousins are also big Jeopardy fans. But we've never played like... Family Jeopardy? No. Oh. Ooh. Indeed. Who do you think would win? They look at each other, calculating who would be the toughest competition. Who's playing? Who am I playing against? Hmm. Like Carrie, Carrie and June. June, you, me. They're pretty smart. But I, I like my chances. <laughs> Fred tells me he's always had a pretty good memory for random bits of information. Sylvie concurs. I always thought he should go on Jeopardy when I was a kid watching with him. I always thought Daddy should be on Jeopardy. Missed my opportunity. That's I, his know. excuse now. Well, he's too old. Uh, too, uh, well, yes, too old to have the quick recall. Right. You know, I, you, you'll see. I'll say... Oh, the answer's going to start with an S or something like that. <laughs> Sylvie, her dad, Aunt B, all these cousins. I wanted to know what keeps them watching. I like that it's competitive, that there's dollars that are uh -huh. given and taken away. And yeah, it was always fun if I beat you. I thought you were like the smartest guy growing up. I've learned since then. <laughs> <laughs> The jokes continued, along with stories about other games they'd mastered over the years. Balderdash, Set, Jotto. But the big glowing screen beckoned everyone back to the mission at hand. The moment we'd been waiting for. It was time for Jeopardy. Volume up. Oh my god. You don't jump right into it. No, you're going to introduce the contestants. And... Okay, are we going to try to keep score? We're going to do our best. We can try. On screen, the contestants and the host, tonight it's Mayim, take their positions behind the lecterns. In Sunset Park, Brooklyn, Sylvie and Fred take their positions on opposite sides of the couch. Good luck as we head into the Jeopardy round with these categories. Okay. Thanks, Amelia. No, I don't Africa. like it. Con must go. You'll remove C-O-N from the front of a word to get the response. Mm. Teaching, some anagrams, State of the Union, and that's a wrap, everybody. Lynn, as our returning champ, you select first. 
Let's go with Khan must go 400. We can agree to remove Khan from a word of unity to get this, string or twine. Ed. What is cord? Yes. Khan must go 600. We can verify that removing Khan from the front of a word leaves us in this place where lawyers work. Affirm. Oh. Ed. Khan must go 800. This is hurting my brain. The act of taking land by force abandons Khan to go on a this, perhaps to seek more land to take by force. What is, what quest? is quest? Choice. What is Pretty quest? Pretty much time. I'll give that to both so of more. us. Go ahead. 800. Khan must go for 1,000. Some of the categories struck me as mind-bogglingly difficult. Anagrams to decipher, esoteric terms, U.S. history questions that left me wondering what I had learned in school. Why would anyone want to subject themselves to this? But as Sylvie and Fred murmured their guesses, it struck me that they were getting more right than wrong. About 30,000 men were of military age in this new state during the Civil War. 20,000 Jayhawkers signed up for Union duty. What is Kansas? Lynn. Where is Kansas? Yes. That's a wrap, everybody, 800. This chain filled the biggest Postmates order of 2019. 220 items, including 20 Crunchwrap Supremes. What is Taco Bell? What is Taco Bell? Yes. The double doors to the room open. Bobby wants to watch, too. Then, a surprise guest. Sylvie's sister, Molly, shows up. The whole family's here now. You want to play? Do you want to play? play? No. Jeopardy? <laughs> yeah, come on, girl. I'm not good. Like, you it's like our family has a division of sorts. Yeah. Yeah. We all play games together. We're competitive. Yeah, but you, I'm not good at Jeopardy, and you guys are. Molly and Bobby claimed they weren't Jeopardy players, but once they sat down, sharing a large armchair, they started answering questions, too, and getting them right. This loose skirt-like wrap is noted for its traditional use in the Malay archipelago. Saran. Ed. What is Mumu? No. Mumu. I just did that. That's our only contribution. (laughs) Sarong was correct. That so-called family division, those who play Jeopardy and those who don't, didn't seem to exist anymore. In a 1969 novel, Sonny Michael... Oh, what is the godfather? You should really never take something. The family. Ed. Or the Corleones. Yes. We should never take sides against the the family family. was the word. Yeah. Admittedly, I didn't get the family reference, but I was starting to get a feel for the game. Its consistent rhythms, its carefully crafted clues, each one building on the next. It got me thinking, maybe there were some answers lurking around in the recesses of my mind. To be clear, I had no plans to participate in the game. But then, a clue about a 1952 novel with the names Caleb and Aaron came up. I knew the answer and shouted it out. East of Eden. What is East of Eden? Julie's getting it. Sylvie's family cheered for me, and I felt a deep rush of pride. Some random information in my head was useful. Maybe that's part of Jeopardy's magic. There is something for everyone. Overlaps. This is a hard. Yeah. All those unsolicited emails you receive are quickly forgotten with this mental condition. What is spamnesia? It's spamnesia. Ah. Wow. I don't even understand this category. The game continued in high spirits, and 22 minutes seemed to fly by because suddenly we were on the precipice of final jeopardy. Classical music, make your wagers. Oh, no. This, I hear it. No, no. Forget it. This is not the classical music crowd. No, it's not.
Classical music. Ugh. The Lubows moan with despair. Fred and Sylvie strategize during the commercial break. I'm surprised how nervous I am. Suddenly, the stakes feel high. I wager everything. Despite his lack of confidence in the category, Fred's going big. Sylvie, on the other hand, bets more conservatively. I'm wagering 2000 Find out who the family champion is after the break. Factors ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. When my schedule gets busy, it's nice to have pre-prepared, chef-created, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to my door. With over 35 different options a week to choose from and over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons, make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy with Factor. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Head to factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 and use code Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. That's code Jeopardy50 at factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. Okay, so we're back from our commercial break. Sylvie and Fred are preparing for final Jeopardy. The question is as arcane as the category promised. Category is classical music. Don't say it. Premiered in 1850. This man, a future in-law of the composer, was the conductor. You have 30 seconds. Good luck. Sylvie and Fred tap their pens. The feeling in the room is pensive, somber. No one, it seems, is going to get this one. Future in-law. This man, a future in-law of the composer, was the conductor. Sylvie gives her dad a resigned look and writes down, who is Liszt, as in Franz Liszt. She tilts her paper to show us. We'll start with our returning champ, Lynn. What did you come up with? Who is Toscanini? Unfortunately, that is not correct. And how much did you wager? Yeah, uh, 5,000. Toscanini was much later. We'll go over to Ed Peterson. Who is Haydn? That is not correct. And how much is that going to cost you? $2,401, leaving you with 7999 Joyce, what was your response? Who is Rachmaninoff? That is also not correct. On the TV, the contestants come up with the wrong answers. Now we'll finally know. List. Shut up! Shut up! You put it? Yeah, list. In case you missed it, every single Jeopardy contestant got Final Jeopardy wrong, but Sylvie, Team List, got it right. Wow, he had zero. I believe we're going into depth. Yeah. Wait, kid, how? I don't know. Wait, imagine if you. Should you go on Jeopardy? (laughs) Sylvie waves her paper in the air. She won. Her family's surprised, but not that surprised at her abilities. And with that, the Lubows got up and went downstairs for dinner. Wonder if this will turn Julia into a Jeopardy watcher. We'll see. For now, back to the fans. Sylvie's not the only one to celebrate getting a final Jeopardy answer that no one else got. 
Actor Tess Bartholomew remembers getting a text about this very feat from her dad. Just recently, I remember my dad answered a Final Jeopardy question and none of the contestants got it. And he not only told us about it in our family thread, he like sent the video. He was like, if you guys missed it, here's what the question was. Here's what happened on the show. This is the answer I gave and everyone else got it wrong. If he had social media, he would have posted it for sure, but he doesn't. Tess comes from a family of Jeopardy obsessives who are pretty competitive. They all live in L.A. and regularly get together to watch the show. For the most part, we have our particular niches, right? So I am a pop culture movie person, first and foremost. That's my jam. And my brother and I will get together for like three and a half hours on a Wednesday, go to Alamo Draft House, and go to Trivia Night. So... Yeah, it just comes naturally that we would continue the tradition for the rest of our lives. But even for the most dedicated trivia families, sometimes they have to make a difficult choice. About 10 years ago, Tess's family cut the cord. And by that, I mean they stopped paying for cable. They weren't worried about missing sports games, and there were streamers for all of their favorite TV shows, except for Jeopardy. We were like, oh no, what are we going to do? Like, I've literally considered getting cable just for that. But instead of doing that, we figured out, well, my dad did, that getting a digital antenna would work so that we could watch Jeopardy that way. And he got it like a Dollar Tree. So it literally had one of those giant stickers that was like, $1.99 digital antenna. And so he bought one for each of us. These are explicitly for Jeopardy use. And it keeps them in check because first of all, you can't be late. Another thing about digital antennas is oftentimes it will not work if you're like sitting in the room at the wrong place. Like, it has to be in the right spot. So, like, we'll have nights where my dad is literally just, like, waving the antenna around, trying to find the right signal. And he's like, oh, it's right here. And then you can't move from that spot. Half of the battle is figuring out what will get the antenna to work properly. Whether it's crowding around the screen, one brave person holding the antenna in the air, or crouching for 30 minutes balancing a digital antenna on a stool, as Tessa's dad did, There's something about this show that inspires people to go to almost any length to watch it. We kind of like the fact that it's so ridiculous. You know, we're like, this is really funny. Like, I like to laugh at my dad with his hand in the air, waving the digital antenna around. You know, so part of me thinks like, oh, it would be boring if I just opened Hulu. Like, oh, I would miss the chaos. I don't know. This is some serious commitment and a bit zany, too. But I'm allowed to say that because I also have a digital antenna, and that's how I watch Jeopardy. Still, I started to wonder, with all this commitment to watching the show, had Tessa's family ever thought about trying to get on the show? It has always been, like, a secret dream, I think, of all of ours. But I think we're a little bit scared. And then what happens to, like, if... If we embarrass ourselves or not win, like, do we stop watching? When you've got a lifelong ritual like this, something you cherish, you look forward to, something that connects you backwards and forwards with your family, your history, and your children, what happens when you finally close the gap between viewer and participant? Find out more after the break. 
It's really surreal, <laughs> just the, that this moment has come and this day has come and I can finally start talking about it to people and people actually know what's going on. Thursday, May 25th. Jesse Chin is sitting at a table in Shaku Ramen, a restaurant off of Northern Boulevard in Flushing, Queens. He's a little nervous, but mostly excited. The 41-year-old accountant finally gets to reveal something that's been months in the making. He was a contestant on Jeopardy! and tonight, his episode is finally airing. I'm gonna double check to see if anyone's outside lost. He's hosting a watch party to celebrate his big debut at a bar in the restaurant's basement, speakeasy style. Jesse has always been good at Jeopardy, although he did let us in on a little trick he used to play. I actually watched Jeopardy since I was five or six years old when I knew it existed. Um, we used to have a TV in our dining room and we'd normally eat at 7 p.m., which is when Jeopardy airs here. So I would instantaneously see, turn the TV on to that channel. We also used to have a second channel here that used to air the show at 6 p.m and sometimes I would watch it a little earlier than everyone else. <laughs> and then when we had our 7 p.m. dinners, <laughs> I would kind of amaze everyone at like seven years old answering all the questions. <laughs> and everyone would be looking at me like, what's going on here? <laughs> How does this kid know about nuclear physics? <laughs> Jesse tried out for Jeopardy when he was in high school, when it was still an in-person test, but didn't make the cut. And for 20 years, he didn't think about trying out again, even though he kept watching Jeopardy. During the pandemic, I was like, all right, let's give it a shot. And then I took it. I got the email saying, hey, do you want to take a Zoom interview and, you know, test game session? And I was like, let's do it. Jesse nailed his audition and then got the call. Oh, I did want to ask you, too. Is there anyone's reaction tonight that you're, like, super curious about? Nervous or excited? Or... Remember Julia, the producer from Act One? That is her asking the question. You're going you're gonna to probably focus my mom. She's going to be really loud. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. Good to know. Thank you. He's invited family, friends, and coworkers to watch tonight's game, but he's also invited people he met during his Jeopardy tape date, like Joyce Sun, and people he competed against, like Megan Brought. I made a group chat for our tape day, everyone who was there that tape day. This is Megan. I was the youngest one there, so I said I had an obligation as the resident Gen Z contestant to create a group chat with all of us, and we've all been super active in it. And so supportive of everyone's episodes this week, and then the two alternates whose episodes will be next week. Megan lives in Pennsylvania, but had a very important engagement in New York, and the timing worked out perfectly for the shared watch party. I actually was already in the city because um, I'm seeing Taylor Swift this weekend, so I've had the tickets for ages. That was always the plan. A bona fide Swifty like myself, Megan even saw a few of Taylor's shows before her Jeopardy taping, too. We'll hear the episode, I have no voice. I'm very hoarse because I was at the opening night and then the second night of the Eras tour, um, screaming my lungs out. And I, I was going through lozenges like crazy, like for the rest of the days. I was like, I gotta get this voice in shape. In another corner of the bar, Jesse's cousin Stuart is recounting some of Jesse's earlier accomplishments. And who would have thought third grade spelling bee? <laughs> third grade. Yeah, this is where it all started. Long time in the making. Right, Jesse? Mm -hmm. Third grade spelling bee. Long time in the making. <laughs> then Jesse's sister joins the conversation. She thought she was the smartest, but no, no, no. She, I know, I thought I was 
Congratulations. You're not the smartest. I lost the bragging rights. It's nearly seven, which is when Jeopardy airs in New York. People are settling onto leather couches, getting drinks, but keeping an eye on one of the TVs mounted on the wall. There are themed cocktails befitting of the evening. Chin and juice, a Megroni, a Belvedere and soda. All homages to tonight's Jeopardy! contestants. Jesse Chin, Megan Brott, and Ed Peterson, who's hosting his own party in Orlando. A few minutes before the start, people start passing out Gatorades. Jesse calls for quiet. I just want to thank everyone for coming. Uh, so during our tape day, me and Megan and Joyce and a bunch of other lovely people, we got together and we had like a really stupid bonding moment over Gatorade. So like we just dubbed our taping day Team Gatorade. Um, so I just want to take this time out. If everyone could just open up your bottles and just say Team Gatorade on three. One, two, three. The mood is lively, excited, and as the clock ticks closer to seven, increasingly nervous. The room turns their attention to the TV. The music goes off. They pan through the contestants. This is what everyone has been waiting for. The part of the flag farthest from the pole is the fly. The part closest to it is this, which sounds like what you do to the But it's The game is underway and is soon peppered with commentary and even some good-natured heckling. Come on, Jess! <laughs> the TV versions of Jesse, Megan, and Ed answer questions about flags, airlines, bodies of water, and also tax forms. Okay, let's get back to the game, Megan. Numerical words and phrases for 200. It's the basic form most taxpayers use to report income and file their return. Ed. What is W2? No. Megan, no. what is W4? Nope. It'll be at 1040. At the end of the first round, Ed's in the lead, followed by Jesse and Megan. People refresh their drinks and drift towards the table under the TV, where there's now a buffet of food. Small bowls of shishito peppers, skewers of meat and fish, and the friendly ribbing keeps going. Accounting director, but you're gonna get 1040. You and Ed totally threw me off with that accounting question, and I thought I misread the question. We get some mid-game commentary from Megan. I definitely was intimidated the first category. Um, I just don't know a lot about flag terminology, and I think it it, it scared me. I think that threw me off a bit, but these are fans turned contestants, turned fans again, as they watch themselves reliving this tape day. 
there was a clue I answered. I like was sitting here, I'm like, I don't know the answer to that. And then I answered it on screen. I was like, oh, I guess I do. No, this is crazy. This is surreal, but I'm having a blast. I was worried I was going to hate it. Like I was going to be miserable and I'm like really enjoying this. The room is a buzz with analysis. I saw the sweat on the brow. You know, he made a crack the joke, but I could tell he was a little nervous. <laughs> this is one of Jesse's friends, Daniel. I, I hope he wins, but like you know, at the same time, he needs to work for it. You know, I don't want to. I don't want him to get it so easy. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. There are a few people in the room who know exactly what will happen tonight, but it still feels like everyone is on the edge of their seat. Anything could happen. Commercial break ends, the game starts back up, and the room cheers through the contestant interviews, where we learn that Megan has a ritual for predicting Oscar nominations, Jesse and his wife got married at Disneyland, and Ed has an impressive magnet collection. Classic Jeopardy interviews. Then comes the Double Jeopardy round with questions about music, Euro coins, and crossword clues that start with V. Not from X, 10 letters. There is a tricky Shakespeare clue and some confusion between Nancy Pelosi and Diane Feinstein. But soon, Jesse is in the lead and the room is largely wondering how he'll fare with Final Jeopardy. The category, Asia. The question, trained as an engineer, Premier Li Pang championed this in 1992. It would ultimately displace over a million people. What is Three Gorges Dam, and how much are we going to add to your score? $2,401. Megan and Ed get the answer right. And now, it's Jesse's turn. What did you write down? What is the Three Gorges River Dam? That's correct. The crowd goes wild. And then again, when they realize Jesse didn't just get Final Jeopardy, he won the game. Gatorade for everyone. Gatorade raining down, and there are cheers, hugs. Jesse unzips his sweater to reveal his bright blue shirt, future Jeopardy champion. His mom is beaming, and she gives her son a big kiss on the cheek. Oh my God, you don't know how happy. My baby. The joy is palpable. So now I had to go back to Julia. She had attended this watch party. She spent an evening at Shea Lubau, and she even went digital antenna with Tess. Did she finally get it? Was our resident Jeopardy novice feeling a little bit of the Alex Trebek stage magic? 
Well, to be clear, I still don't own a TV, so I think super fandom isn't in the cards for me right now. But I definitely get the allure, the devotion, and yes, the magic. Also, Lubows, if you're listening, can I stay for dinner next time? Next week on This Is Jeopardy. We first met at our audition in December 2015. I was there early. And I was there very late. This Is Jeopardy, the story of America's favorite quiz show, is a production of Sony Music Entertainment and Sony Pictures TV. It's hosted by me, Buzzy Cohen. This episode was produced by Julia Doyle. The series producers are Julia Doyle, Rob Dozier, Sylvie Lubau, and Mia Warren. Associate producer is Serena Chow. Our series editor is Sarah Kramer. Executive producers are Lizzie Jacobs, Tom Koenig, Sarah Kramer, Michael Davies, and Suzanne Preddy. Production management help from Susanya Davenport and Tamika Balance-Kolosny. Our theme song was composed by Hannes Brown. Cedric Wilson is our engineer. Special thanks to Charlie Yetter and Steve Ackerman. And a big, big thank you to the Jeopardy staff and crew for all of their time and help on this. Shout out to Alexa Machia. If you love the show, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.